Hello and welcome to another episode of the Colorful Plates podcast for this week, September 10th of 2018. I am your host, Stephen Medina, and this week we take a quick look at what's in the field, uh, fresh produce and school lunches with Brian Denton, and how a local distribute pilots and promotes new products for their customers. Stick around, we're going to have a great time. Let's turn to our first segment in the fields where we take a quick look at what's going on around the produce industry. First up is market alerts, where we take a look at products that are having some quality and supply issues. Some transition of berry growing regions has caused supply of strawberries, blueberries, and blackberries to tighten up a little bit. Um, the quality is being reported is really great, but the pricing may be higher in certain markets. The reports we've given on avocados and citrus the last couple weeks uh, remain true to this week. Avocado supply is still pretty low. Uh, we are transitioning and it should uh, alleviate uh, some of that pressure, but until then, uh, it's still going to be a little tight. But the good news is, is quality is being reported as good. Uh, with citrus, uh, lemons, and oranges, we're still seeing just a shortage of product causing just prices to go up. So just know that if you're looking for oranges and lemons, uh, the prices are going to be higher than, than usual. And up next is a peak at peak seasons where we look at products that are doing really well right now and are in the peak of their season. You're going to hear some uh, favorites from last week and the weeks before. Stone fruit, grapes, chili peppers, apples, pears, and kale all doing really well still. These products are in the full swing. Uh, they're getting good quality reports and good supply reports. So make sure uh, if you're not, talk to your distributor about picking some of those up and putting them on your menus. And finally, we like to take a look at what's happening on the East and West Coast, and that covers things like bell peppers, cucumbers, eggplants, and squash. On the East Coast, we're getting reports that weather is still just causing a lot of issues. The Midwest is getting hit with rain from what's left of Gordon uh, and just causing supply and quality issues for most products. We're getting good reports of bell peppers coming out of the East with uh, good supply, good quality, and low demand. So right now is the time to buy bell peppers on the East Coast. Cucumbers and zucchini were hit the hardest, just causing a dip in supply. And the cool, cloudy weather that is um, happening right now is cutting the yields, just causing the fruit not to mature as it should. Um, and rain that's happening is not allowing the farmers to plant. Um, and what is being planted is just being reported with poor quality. With eggplant, we are seeing less acreage being planted than in previous years. New regions are coming online, but right now the quality is being reported as poor. Overall, it should be cooler and drier in the Midwest, but the East is forecasting rain, which is just not what growers want to hear right now. So keep an eye on the weather on the Eastern seaboard. Out West, bell peppers have transitioned to their coastal regions and should carry the work through September uh, with good quality and supply being reported. Cucumbers out West are coming from Baja, California and will be from now until about October timeframe. Demand is higher right now, which is just driving prices up. Eggplant out West is coming from Fresno, California. Supply is light right now, but more fields are coming online. And to wrap us up, squash coming out west is from the Santa Maria region. We are seeing improved quality. Um, good supply should be there through the rest of September. And that has been a look in the fields. Moving into our next segment, Making the Cut with the one and only Brian Denton. We're going to take a look at what's making the cut this week. Brian, what's made the cut? Stephen, we want to continue our discussion about K-12 nutrition programs and how the volume and complexity of these fresh produce programs affect the produce industry and other food service sectors besides K-12 schools. If you didn't hear our Making the Cut segment last week, you'll want to take a listen because we talked through the National School Lunch Program and introduced this three-week look at fresh produce in school lunches. Everyone knows when school is back in session. It's, it's not just the incessantly cheery Old Navy and Target commercials. 
it's the volume of produce needed and of labor required to move that fresh produce to local schools. Uh, last week, I, I spoke to a local produce distributor who told me that they can add on over 100 seasonal workers who work in processing, loading, and delivering fresh produce. Uh, farms also see the spike in demand. For national farms, they expect and they they plan for this additional volume. But for small family farms, supplying their local school district, it's, it's difficult and it happens way less than you may imagine. Uh, while there is a priority in theory um, and in funding, and I'll get to that shortly, uh, really to purchase from local farms, like it keeps dollars in the community, it connects school children to where their food comes from, and it, it could honestly cut down on the cost of freight from traditional growing regions. There is a plethora of difficulties that are faced when buying local. Um, so to start, USDA's Food Nutrition Service, which administrates federal money for school lunch programs, they've set up personnel and grants to make local food more accessible. It's called the Farm to School Program, and it's a byproduct of federal legislation during the Obama administration. It's, it's incentivized schools to buy local, and it's seen some results, including over 42,000 farms working with farm to schools, um, sorry, 42,000 schools working with the Farm to School Program in 2013-2014 school year, with almost $600 million being spent on local foods. Now, School districts in large agricultural states like California, Washington, Florida, and Georgia aren't leading the way in local spending. It's actually schools in the Northeast like Maine, Vermont, Maryland, Delaware. Uh, they've, it has less to do with accessibility or proximity to local produce and more to do with how much these states have naturally invested in food economies. But the bigger issue to providing local produce has to do with issues around pricing, scale, paperwork, and contract requirements. A local farm doesn't have proper insurance or food safety certifications. They're only able to provide a portion of what is needed or what they provide doesn't meet a particular school's needs. Of course, there's limited funds and sometimes just limited energy to, to, to increase local purchasing programs. But there is positive news. Non-governmental organizations are working to assist local farms in planning, capacity building, and food safety certifications. And they're also working with schools on education for district managers, principals, food service workers, and providing classroom education to students. So making the cut this week, increasing local produce to local schools. And in the days ahead, uh, we're going to feature some interviews with, with those that really are on the forefront of both providing um, uh, availability to farms and providing education to schools. So Stephen, one more thing. Uh, this week, we will be releasing a special episode of Colorful Plates featuring my interview with Robert Cuellar. Uh, he's the Child Nutrition Program Director for the Laredo School District uh, in Texas. He discusses how they work to get buy-in from principals, kitchen workers, and influence uh, students' decision-making during lunch. That's Making the Cut. Thanks, Brian. That was great. And we'll look forward to hearing those interviews in the coming weeks. And our last segment today is Produce Pro Tips, where we talk to industry professionals about trends, tips and tricks, new products, and more to inspire and educate. This week, we caught up with Alexandra Ross, who is the marketing manager at Premier Produce One in Ohio. And we talked about what their sales team does to introduce new products to their customers. So tell me a little bit about the process you guys go through introducing a new product to uh, one of your customers. Well, I would say we're a company that, that really knows our brand, knows our customer base. Uh, we're very in tune with that. And sometimes we'll get products presented to us by customers who are looking for something unique or have heard of something 
different. We have our sales reps who are constantly looking. I'm looking. And then we'll also get a lot of our vendors or potential vendors come and seek us out. So we find new products by a lot of different avenues. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's really interesting. So uh, it sounds like you, you mentioned that you you do get a lot of uh, inspiration from, from a lot of different um a lot of different sources, but one of them you mentioned that I thought was really interesting is uh, customers are actually asking you for particulars, and then you guys do the research to find uh, something that makes sense for them. Could you talk to me a little bit about what that looks like? Yeah, so I would say our customers kind of know what they're looking for, and they may have some little specific, and one of the ones that I can think of is Ohio State. Ohio State is a huge university who is catering to a lot of different dietary needs from students, they come to us with these kind of grand expectations. And then we go out there and we try to source these products. And a lot of times with a customer like Ohio State, they're going to be buying a lot of volume. So we start to look at our other customer base and think, who can we start to penetrate with this product as well? Uh, Do you feel like when you're able to bring solutions with different products to your customers, that that's a differentiator uh, between you and your competition? So something that is really important to us is having a very educated sales team. A lot of our sales team, they have ex-culinary backgrounds. They they understand the products. They can consult with the customers. That's a huge strength of ours because you're you're learning from the vendor, you know, how to sell the product. But it's not just about selling, it's also coming coming to the table with understanding how a chef can can use this product, how maybe they can cut down on labor, cut down on costs, and also something that in turn can enhance their brand, can help them sell more products to customers and get more people through the door. So that's something that is, is a huge strength of ours. Yeah, having the consultative services as a as a part of your sales uh, strategy is a huge piece. And I think chefs would really resonate with having a distributor and sales uh, force that is looking out for them and finding something that is mutually beneficial, like presenting new products that um, while they're customers and also help make a profit on on the distributor side. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just as much as we are looking to try to stand apart from our competition, so are our customers. We always have that in the back of our head that, you know, we're trying to compete with our competition, but they are too. So what can we bring them that's new, that's different, that's going to set them apart? Yeah, and it does differentiate you. It gives you the opportunity to um, help your customers offer something that others aren't. So before I let you go, being that we're talking about bringing new products uh, to our customer bases and to chefs, um, has there been a product or products that you guys have seen recently that has just kind of wowed you in the in the last couple months? Yeah, I would say the man's Colini. We just sampled internally, and this is a product we were all really impressed with, and we thought, you know, this is something that can definitely move the needle. It's has a lot of broad appeal. People are looking for something unique that they can put as a side to an item or use in different applications. And I think when you can find something that's unique and different and it's also produce-centric and has that broad appeal, it's just a huge winner. Yeah, it's great. We did a feature with uh, with the folks over at Man talking about this exact product because of how unique it is, but how delicious it is as well, and how 
Um, it adds a lot to the to the plate. Um, Alex, I just wanted to say thanks so much for taking the time to to chat with us and let us know a little bit about the process that goes into researching new products and bringing those to customers. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. That's it for the Colorful Plates podcast this week. Make sure to check us out every Monday. We drop a new episode letting you know what's going on in the produce industry, some tips, some tricks, some inspiration, education, um, all for you uh, right in your eardrums. Check us out. Uh, Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can stay in the loop. As always, we want to thank those who made this podcast possible. Uh, Brian Denton for stepping into the studio. Alexandra Ross from Premier Produce One for uh, being able to uh, put up with me interviewing her. Thanks again, Alex, for doing that. It was great. And our in-house staff, Mackenzie Lovelace, who is our producer, Chloe Pika, who is our engineer, and our executive producer, Jeff Oberman. I am your host, Stephen Medina. This has been another episode of the Colorful Place Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. And as always, stay fresh. <laughs>